Alright, you got 12th night out, act two out. Today we are diving in. Thank you, Queen. Eddie. Um, let me say hi to Caroline. She's zooming. We had one. Everybody say hi to Caroline, and one person says hi to Caroline. Let's all say hi to Caroline. Here, we'll do this. Now you can see everybody, Caroline. You don't have to stare at my face. There we go. Everybody wave. Well, you, she can't see, see you, but here we go. Now we'll do it. Ready? Look at the love. Yeah, all right. You get to see her name. All right. Back off the screen. Um, we are going to, oops, sorry. Hitting the wrong thing here. Sharing my screen with you, Caroline. There you go. Can you see it? Yeah. Great. All right, we're going to be watching a bunch of video today, and uh, I'll take you off of the students. Ah, what is going on? Here it is. There we are. Okay. Uh, I'm going to open with a word of prayer in regards to your homework. Act two, right? Reading, posting quotes for scene five. I just want you to read it. Does that make sense? So don't not come with it read or however you want to phrase that. And uh, the pace that we're going seems to be we're tracking, generally speaking, with the play where you're reading it beforehand and then you're going to show up and we'll eventually talk about it. Does that make sense? So we'll keep act three for uh, tomorrow. Keep in mind, if you don't fully get through Act 3 stuff tomorrow, we might not get all the way into it, but it'll allow me to set us up for next week. Does that make sense? Plus, it's homecoming next week, so stay on top of that. Um, with Act 3, I want you to start responding, to start uh, writing about the quotes that you're finding. Everybody good logistically in the class? Cool. All right. Well, uh, let me pray, and we'll dive in. <clears throat> Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we get to do this, that we get to be here and learn about you, really. Thank you for the opportunity of uh, this class and Shakespeare. And I'm just glad here we are, we're getting into Act Two. We're getting into the plot, the, the, the depth and the breadth of what this play can offer us and uh, guide our discussion today. Thank you for being a God who pursues us, who loves us, I pray that somebody listening today would be willing to be open to what Shakespeare is sharing with us, echoing down these hallways of history and literature all the way into our little classroom and Zoom and podcasts. Thank you for what he has written and what he offers us. Guide us in your truth. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, all you need out is your book and something to write with or write on, and uh, let's go for it. Yeah? If I'm remembering correctly, we started Act 2 on the video. Is that, is that right? Did we get to Antonio where I talked about the spectrum of love with Antonio? All right, that's good to know. That, you, you would know. <laughs> so there we go. So I say we just jump in then and go for it and let the class kind of unfold uh, through Act 2. Did we talk about the pregnant enemy with Act 2, Scene 1? Or Scene 2? No, we didn't. So we are ready to roll. Did we finish Act 1? 
That's what I thought. So this is right where we are, and uh, here comes Act 2. So Act 2, Scene 2, is where the movie starts, okay? So Act 2, Scene 2. I'd like you to go to page 120. And again, this is where I really want you to have your pen or pencil out. I also think this is a great opportunity. You've been doing your homework and finding quotes on themes. Feel free to raise a hand or ask a question or make a connection or continue to take some more notes, okay? Some of the ones that I've read that you guys are highlighting, I'm gonna highlight and so we can make some connection there. Sound good? So here we go, act two, scene two. As we start act two, right? In act one, we had introductions, we had themes, we had props. What are we looking for in act two? More introductions, right? So actually, if you look at scene one, Scene one here is Antonio and Sebastian. Does that make sense? So more introductions. Act two, scene two, we're gonna get this right now, plot, right? And then uh, act two, scene three is the subplot. So he's laying it out for us. Please remind me if I'm teaching a lesson and I already did it, I've been trying to figure out the Oreo cookie block, right? The double stuff Oreo. And so don't be afraid to stop me. Got a few of you out there who are like, yeah, Dominguez, like, we already did this one. Okay, video. Caroline, can you see the movie with or, uh, Malvolio on the bike? Yes, I can. Excellent, great. Feel free to chime in anytime you'd like to, okay? We can hear you well. All right, page one, uh, sorry, yeah, 120. She sent the ring, yeah? Okay. Were you not even now with the Countess Olivia? Even now, sir, on a moderate pace, I've since arrived at today. She returns this ring to you, sir. You might have saved me my pains to have taken it away yourself. She adds, moreover, that you should put your lord into a desperate assurance she will none of him. We'll receive it so. Does the ring of me? Oh, none of it. Come, sir, you peevishly throw it to her. Did any of that happen? Taking rings, throwing it, stuff like that? So they're all now what? Morning, bro. That's all fabrication, which is interesting and intriguing considering what's coming next, but they're all just kind of playing along. And her will is it should be so returned. <laughs> what do you want? you before there it lies in your eye. If not, be it just finds it. That's so rude! <laughs> I left no ring with her. Oh. What means this lady? Would you forbid my outside if you enchant her? <gasps> she made a good view of me. Did so much. His other eyes had lost her tongue for she did speak in starts. Distractedly. Loves me. <laughs> sure. I am the man. <laughs> ah, what'd you just realize? By the way, she's the man. Title of the movie. We're good. All right. Everybody go here. Bottom of 121. Wait, she. The fortune forbid my outsides have not charmed her. Spectrum of love. We're just in love with what? 
surface stuff. Is that on the spectrum? Does that happen? Yeah, bummer. Page 122, right? She loves me, sure. Oh my goodness, right? And then, I think this is interesting. I am the man. Look what she says. If this be so, poor lady, we're better she love a dream. Is it, by the way, is this going to happen? No. Now, everybody, circle, underline, highlight, tattoo, tweet, Instagram, whatever you need to. Yeah? This quote. If you want to write in the margin the word plot, go ahead. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> the plot is thicker than this, but this page really captures it. Disguise, I see thou art a wickedness, wherein the pregnant enemy does much. All right, so we haven't talked about this one yet, correct? Who's following disguise, right? Yeah, who's also following love, like as their theme? Okay, boom, right here. Plus miscommunication, who's following communication, right? You're just gonna start seeing, and foolishness, and all these illusion versus reality, all the themes are really focusing in. <clears throat> disguise. I see there are the wickedness wherein the pregnant enemy does much. Disguise is deception. Could we even call it lying? Yeah? So in a play about love, I find it intriguing. Has her mask, has her disguise, has the deception helped her so far? Well, yeah, she got a job, right? She's safe. She's in protection with Orsino. How's she doing? Although, what happened now? Oh, no! That lady just fell in love with me, and can I just all of a sudden, like, hey, uh, Orsino, I'm actually a girl. Can she do this? So what is she realizing now? What has her disguise done to her? It's done, it's, she's what? She's trapped. Shoot. How many of you have heard about a lie will find you? Or a lie, you're gonna be trapped in it. Like, there it is. She's now literally trapped behind her mask. Cause, oh no, 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 Olivia, I'm actually a girl. Will that work? Or Sino, I'm a girl, let's get married. Will that work? <laughs> No, that, I mean, she could end up in here. This is where, yeah, it's a good thing it's a comedy, <laughs> right? Because this could be a pretty brutal tragedy, couldn't it? Yeah. And then the pregnant enemy line is just really weird. Pregnant enemy? Already, this is a play about love. Who's the enemy to love? God is love. Who's the enemy? Not what, who? Yeah, Satan, right? Like, Satan is the enemy of love, and he's the father of lies. And look what a lie is doing now. <laughs> look what a lie is doing. Kind of chuckling about it a little bit, but I'm trapped. And wow, Satan can do a lot with a lie, can't he? Actually, he, the pregnant enemy, what Satan can give birth to all kinds of evils when we partner with lying. Are we tracking with that now? Which part of me is like, this is why we're studying Shakespeare. That one sentence is so brilliant, right? Disguise, oh, now I know why you're so wicked. I partner with the father of disguise, angel of light guy, right? I partner with Satan and we're gonna give birth to all kind of mischief and chaos 
in a play about love. The enemy of love gets to have a heyday when we start lying. Which, time out, by the way, how's it go when you lie to your girlfriend? <laughs> right? How's it go when you lie to your boyfriend? How's it go when husbands and wives lie to each other? When parents and kids lie to each other? What happens to the love? Dare I say, instantly gone. You can rebuild, but once trust is broken, it's so hard to bring it back, right? Thoughts, comments, or questions? We see in it? Do we see the plot? Which I love this. By the way, you know how I said in Act 3 we often get a retelling? Shakespeare slides it up early because this play is so confusing, potentially. She's like, oh, what she says. She's like, oh, yeah, and women can get deceived often so easily. She's referencing Eve in some respects here. And then she says this, how will this fadge? My master loves her dearly, and I, poor monster, fond as much on him, and she, mistaken, seems to dote on me. Did anybody catch it? Some of you were thrown off about that line. Do men get deceived easily, too? Oh, yeah, she's just processing it as a woman, like, ah. But she just repeats the whole plot. I love, right, my, like, he loves her, I love him, and she loves me. Ah! Right? And then she even says it again. And as I am a man, my state is desperate for my master's love. And as I am a woman, and now alas the day, what thriftless sighs shall poor Olivia breathe. O oh, time, thou must untangle this knot. Untangle this knot. Not I. Oh, the pun. Oh, you don't have to like the pun. It's eight in the morning. But that's such a cool pun. All right? It is too hard a knot for me to untie. Notice how this scene ends here, but all those other lines are in this scene. Yeah, really great stuff. Questions, thoughts, comments? Keep going. We tracking? Cool. I like that too, just in case you missed it, right? I hit, 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 boom. Thank you, Shakespeare. All right, back up a page or two. Page 118, Sebastian and Antonio right there. More characters. You must know of me then, Antonio. My name is Sebastian. My father was that Sebastian of Messalin, whom I know you've heard of. He left behind him myself and my sister. Viola. I was born in an hour. Oh. Yet so ended. But you, sir, altered that. Before you took me from the breach of the sea was my sister drowned. Alas, the day. Lady, sir. Though it was said she much resembled me, was yet in many a cat's we have the brotherly love here. We have this beautiful love between these twins, brother, sister, both thinking the other is dead. So this beautiful love here. We also just got that who also is dead, their dad, right? So Shakespeare's layering out the characters, the introduction, the backdrop of all that's going on. He's also continuing the spectrum of love here. I find it intriguing too, just simply She's beautiful. I mean, she looks like me, but she's beautiful. 
Uh, can that happen with twins? <laughs> like, there's your masculinity and femininity. I'm a guy. She, everybody says she looks like me, but she's beautiful. What, what do you do with that? Like, what's going on there? Yeah? And so, yay twins. Questions, thoughts, comments? By the way, has anybody seen, literally seen the word mom anywhere in this play yet? Mother or mom? What is going on? Ah, family? Who's following family? We got some crazy family stuff going on here with all the, the potential death and real death and brother-sister love and no mom and dads are now gone. Woo! Keep going? Okay. By the way, we now know that Viola is considered beautiful as well, right? Good, Antonio. Forgive me in trouble. If you will not murder me for my love, let me be your servant. What? I heard not. Very well at once. I'm bound for the Capulcino's court. I will. The captain must have ruled the gods could with thee. I have many enemies in Orsino's court. Else would I very shortly see thee there. That's another backdrop. There's some tension. There's enemy, enemy territory, fighting, war in the background. They set that up at the beginning of the movie. Dragon? Did anybody catch where, where's Sebastian going? Orsino's house. Who's there? Who's his new best friend? Viola, who looks like who? Sebastian. Are we seeing what's coming? Like, there it is. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go off to Orsino, the Duke Orsino's house. I'm going to go there. Although he just said that there's someone there who's going to look just like him. Because... His twin is dressed up as a boy, right? Are we catching the chaos that's coming? Comedy, it's coming, Whew, right? Thoughts, comments, keep rolling. We're still just kind of moving through the play here. Now I want everybody again, another huge line. This is really important. We've been talking over and over about the spectrum of love. That Shakespeare, all the world's a stage, right? And Shakespeare's lining up on stage, the wide spectrum of love. This line is intense. It's page 120 of our book. Act 2, scene 1, line 31. Everybody go there. Asterisk, star, underline, highlight, whatever you need to do. It's a big deal. If you will not murder me for my love, let me be your servant. <laughs> what did he just say? If I can't serve you, just kill me now, because I love you so much. Did anybody catch the line? <laughs> that's, that's not a throwaway line, right? Yeah, line 31, act two, scene one. Line 30, am I getting that right? Am I seeing it correctly? Line 31. It just If I can't follow you around and serve you because of my deep love for you, just kill me. I'd rather be dead if I can't serve you. Now, can Mr. Lehman and Mr. Dominguez love each other as men and have it not be homosexuality? Yes or no? That was a slower response than I was expecting. That's fine. Can we? 
Yeah, can Sean McCallum and Mr. D love each other and we're not gay? Yeah? Okay. Can David and Jonathan in the Bible be willing to die for each other and love for each other and not be gay? Is that possible? So men can have deep, there's love that's bigger than brotherhood, right? Between men and it's not same-sex attraction. We're okay? Everybody in the room, get that. So can we have that on the spectrum of love? Come on, Freddie, spectrum of love. Can we put that on there? Deep, powerful friendship. Women are fantastic at this. I'm just saying. I watch it. Women can really love each other. Like beyond, they create this sisterhood, this beautiful, deep, rich bond. There's no sexual intimacy there at all. But they are in, like, they're in deep. Yes? Everybody know what I'm talking about there? It's really cool. Right? And men are good at it when we get it right. It's really beautiful and really powerful. God has designed this. You've got... You've got John, the apostle, like, I'm the one that Jesus loves, right? He's, like, putting his head on his shoulder, like, they're snuggling during the Last Supper, right? That's awesome, right? It's just this beautiful, deep bond. Um, could, and so we got that. Put it on your spectrum, if you're taking notes. Those of you who are actually doing the spectrum notes. If Shakespeare wanted to talk about homosexual attraction, right, can you just put that up on stage? Yeah, here we go. We've got this character who is gay who loves another character in Elizabethan England. What's going to happen if he does that? Anybody aware? His theater will what? I mean, you can't even put women on stage. <laughs> Can he talk about same-sex attraction on stage? No way. His theater will get shut down. I'll get thrown in jail or worse, right? But... On the spectrum of love, right? I've got relatives and friends who are gay and they have this beautiful love for each other. Is it love? Yes or no? You know, you're gonna shake your head and you probably don't know they're some of the nicest people I know, right? There's love. I, we have neighbors who are lesbians. They really love each other. They're some of our nicest neighbors, right? So is there love? Is Shakespeare gonna deal with the spectrum of love? Yes or not? Well, yeah, right? But can he do it in a main overt text way? No, so he has to use what's called, in literature, it's called subtext. You've got your text, really great guy, who is a really beautiful friend, willing to sacrifice his life. He already saved him, and now he's willing to serve him. Cool dude, right? Good friend, right? So that's our text, and that's standalone. That's one way to look at Antonio. Antonym. Opposite, Antonio. Got it? See the opposite word? We could also have this as a subtext where Shakespeare wants to deal with someone who says, I love you, man. <laughs> kill me. If I can't follow you around, I love you so much, just kill me. I'd rather be dead if I can't be with you. Is that there in the line? Yes or no? Oh, yeah, it's there. And Shakespeare is a genius. He can write the subtext through. You do not have to follow same-sex attraction for Antonio through this play if you don't want to. You don't have to do that. That's, that's fine. I'm just, as your literature teacher, teaching you about subtext, teaching you about how authors can handle these things. And also, I have no problem. I'm, I'm just going to say this very carefully here. I have no problem doing this with Shakespeare. There's no way I would even go close to this topic in a play where the author has... Toby, the drunken, perverted jerk, 
as the guy who's got homosexual attraction. Does that make sense? That's totally throwing people under the bus. I, I heard, there are people like that, I'm sure, but there's also straight people like that. I mean, right? So that, that's not what the issue is. Fair enough? And so I wouldn't go there if that's the character that he chose. But as you will see, this dude is really cool. He's really kind. He serves. He sacrifices. And he either wants really close friendship, which is totally healthy and normal, right? Or he's processing for him what he believes to be healthy and normal, this other type of homosexual attraction. And Shakespeare's going to write that, but using a really cool guy in his play. Are we tracking? And so what is, what are the consequences for that? How will things fare for Antonio as a best friend? Or how will things fare for Antonio if he's seeking same-sex attraction? Shakespeare has a subtext here that you're allowed to follow. Makes for a great paper. Um, can allow for some really great conversation. I've had some wonderful conversations about this at this school. And again, this is subtext, but it's there and it's text. And of all the places to talk about it, well, it's at Wheaton Academy. There's people who have same-sex attraction here. Notice how they have to be subtext all the time, right? They can't just be text. Um, and so it's something for us to process as well. And Shakespeare puts it on stage, so we're going to put it on stage. And it is on stage, and it is here, right? Interestingly, 400 years later, in our movies and our TV shows, is it subtext? Not anymore, actually. It's just there's, there's a whole agenda to get it out of subtext and into text, right? And that's a real agenda of people who are in, I mean, all the letters, right? I mean, all of the spectrum of that who are trying to say, hey, we have a voice and we're tired of being subtext. Well, we can talk about all that. Shakespeare does and he brings it up. Questions, thoughts, or comments? I think what's really intriguing, not to shy away from anything in some respects, like no need to, and we kind of need to stop shying away, right? I find it intriguing that in the first four weeks of this school year, with social distancing and masks, I've had 10 to 15 people already come to me on the side asking me questions about non-binary, lesbian, homosexual, right, and uh, trans questions and understandings and conversation and trying to track some of that stuff, right? I've already had 10 to 15 students come and talk to me on the side. 10 years ago, maybe one off campus. Does that make sense? Five years ago, getting some conversations 10 to 15, maybe throughout the entire year. Within one month, I've already had 10 to 15 students come and talk to me about this stuff. Because it's where? It's, it's all over our culture now. Okay, well, let's talk about it, right? I like that we've got, this is a spectrum of love. We're trying to figure out what is love. Like, that's the whole thrust of this play. So Shakespeare has the perverted drunken jerk. He's got sacrificial brotherly love. He's got brother-sister love. Same-sex attraction type of love. He's got someone who doesn't want anything to do with romantic love. We've got, right? Uh, what? What? Should I play the song? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. 
How are we doing? Is that enough to introduce and to keep going? Okay. Remember, we're trying to make it safe and honoring and respectful for everybody wherever they are on their journey, right? And I hope if I ever, I was talking in one of the classes about Islam, it was a Shakespeare class, I hope, I hope that I respectfully make it safe for anybody in my room to navigate life and to talk about literature, right? Now, we're at a Christian school, you signed up to come to a Christian school, so we're gonna come from a biblical perspective but hopefully with gentleness, love, and respect. Fair enough? That's our, that's our code. We all sign that we're going to be loving, right? Act two, scene three, onward. Yeah, and if I'm ever not, uh, it would not be intentional for me to be unloving or unkind or inappropriate, so definitely I hope I'm safe enough for you to come and talk to you. If I make a mess, I'll clean it up, right? Or if we make a mess, we'll clean it up. This stuff happens. People mess up. All right, I've messed up, and I'll be hopefully like, I'm so sorry, I'm just trying to figure this out, I'm trying to teach and help people learn and grow. I don't ever want anyone to feel unsafe or attacked. Oh, this is an inserted line. First. He thought he purged the air of pestilence. Purge the air of pestilence. <laughs> Good thing I have the mask. <laughs> That instant was I turned into a heart and my desires like fell and cruel hounds as since perceived. That's the line from oh. earlier, remember that? Okay, act two, scene three, everybody. Page 123. Approach. And he went over the wall, he was supposed to like go through the gate. That's it. Andrew. They're what? They're drunk, if you didn't notice. <laughs> in the text and on the screen. And in the scene. He's gonna break the window. Page 124, 125, Act 2, Scene 3, Lines 20 and following. Let's all go there. He's reading a magazine called Amour. <laughs> All right. Who wants love? Come on. Everybody does. You're mocking Malvolio, making fun of him. Let's have a song, right? I think it's interesting. 
here you go, we'll pay you for a song, right? We'll put a song on. We'll put a, a love song on, because we're not going to have a song of good life, right? Do we want a song of good life? <laughs> Andrew's like, I don't care about good life. Just give me a love song. For uh, the rest of us, say, put some tunes on. What would we do right now? Somebody put a song on. Well, what do you want to play? I don't know. Pick a song. Put some love songs on. Press the button, and we what? Yeah. Back then, you just press the button. No. We'll pay our, what is it, $1.25 right now for a new song on iTunes or whatever. <laughs> like, we'll pay for the song, and we get it on our headphones or in the whatever, computer. Here we pay for the song, and we get a live song. Go Festy. Now, this, if music be the fruit of love, this is a play about love. It, music is in the opening line, so we're going to get some songs in here. Yeah, we have four or five really cool songs in here. Act two, song, plot, song. So we got to look at this one. So everybody, act two, scene three, lines 35 and following. Let's all go there and spend a little time here. Don't worry. We got more movie coming. But just doing my job to show you what we can do with a Shakespeare play, and especially when we get to poetry. Come on, it's Shakespeare, right? He's our poet. Sonnets and everything. So now we've got a love song in a play about love in Act 2. Let's look at it. We're going to read it through at least three times, and let's see what happens when we spend a little time on it. And then we'll listen to it and watch it. There we go. Uh, let me just set this up over here. All right. Oh, mistress mine, where are you roaming? Oh, stay in here, your true love's coming. That can sing both high and low. Trip no further, pretty sweeting. Journey's end and lover's meeting. Every wise man's son doth know. What are we talking about there? Somebody's wandering around looking for love. And there's like, hey, whoa, whoa, stop, stop looking elsewhere. Your love's right where? Right here, yeah? And by the way, who's been to the airport? Airports are great for this. Husband gets off the plane. Ah! You know, the wife gets, hey, mom, or, you know, love. You know, all the journeys end in lovers' meeting, right? You know, when you go away and you come back, who do you want to see first? You probably want to go, I mean, maybe mom and dad, but come on. You want to go see your girlfriend or your boyfriend, right? No? I mean, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Right? But journeys end in lovers' meeting, in the return back home to love. What is love? Wait a second. Wait a second. Did that just happen? What is love? <laughs> Baby, <don't hurt> me. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Did that really? It's right there. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Let's go. What is love? Tis not hereafter. Present mirth has present laughter. When do we want love? Now. What's to come is still unsure. In delay, there lies no plenty. Then comes smooch me, sweet and 20. This is great when you're watching it with your wife. You just hit pause, get 20 kisses in. Good. Youth's stuff will not endure. Who's in, who was uh, Newsies? Now is the time to see today. <laughs> right now, yes. Is that you guys or no? How far out are we? Last year, two years ago? Two? Now, see, what's what's the carpe diem? What is it? Now. We don't wait to deal with this stuff. Now's the time to seize the day. Now's the time. Carpe smoochum. 
Now is the time to seize a smooch, right? Like, when should you fall in love? Tomorrow. No, when? All right, so this is a classic love poem on carpe diem, seize the day, fall in love, stop looking around for love. I'm right here. Give it up for Shakespeare. That's our first read through. How's everybody doing with the poem and the song? This is not Bach or Beethoven, which Renaissance, right? Like Renaissance, I'm sure those guys, I'm getting them wrong in their time frame, right? Are they Renaissance or no? Those guys? Yeah, I think they're way later, right? But when you think of classical music or classical songs, go Renaissance, um, way even before those guys, and you're probably thinking kind of the quiet, that type of music, yes? Um, this would have been probably a pop song back then. People playing, they had guitars with like six inch, you know, six foot necks or whatever, and they had the, all the, the, the harps, and um, I'm not sure, somebody can look up when harpsichord, like the piano was coming in, right? But music was very different than it is now, but they still liked a good pop song, yeah? A good love song, right? Come on, yeah? Let's do a second read through. Second read through? Like, let's, let's get it out of the textbook into our own lives. Oh, mistress mine, where are you roaming? Oh, stay in here. Your true love's coming. They can sing both high and low. Hey, wait, stop. Hey, you. I love you. you. Stop looking over there. I'm right here, right? Like me. Anybody in the room want a little bit of love or want to be dating someone or want a relationship? And some of you don't, and that's fine. And I know it's COVID and we got masks, but... Don't we want to get asked out or don't we want to ask someone out or don't we want to go on a date or does anybody in the room want love? You don't have to raise your hand. I mean, you can, but like, right. Maybe you just broke up with someone, so ah, it sucks and it's painful. But you're kind of hoping, whoa, 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 I'm right here. Someone pick me. It's like Donkey and Shrek. Pick me, pick me, right? Like, <laughs> nobody's laughing. Okay. Shrek's awesome. You've seen Shrek, right? Okay, good. That can sing both high and low. Trip no further, pretty sweeting. Don't we want to be called sweetheart? Don't we want the nicknames? Don't we want someone to have a nickname for us? Pretty sweeting. Right? I know it's early, but anybody in the room? Don't you turn the lights on? Like, eh, we got, yeah, you're in high school, right? Like, come on. Journey's end and lovers meeting. Every wise man's son doth know. I want to know that my journey through school, at the end of the day, I finally get to go see my boyfriend or girlfriend. Or I get to go hang out with someone who I like. Oh dear, is it just really early? Or... We got a few, uh, maybe it's the mask, I can't tell. Hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, Molly and Nicola. Wait, so Nikki and Molly? Nikki and Molly, that's it. Nikki and Molly are not here, and they're not Zooming. Got it. Yep. Peace. All right, what is love? Oh, now we just gotta do it, right? So, come on, Shakespeare dance party. Try not to move, try, try to sit still. You just can't. Uh, uh, oh, I guess you guys can. Hey, come on, right? It's just so good, what is love? Ready? You guys, it's not tomorrow. And this is where your English teacher, I'm gonna just go for it. It's right here in the text. If you've never allowed yourself to fall in love, 
If you've been protecting yourself because some youth pastor or some pastor or your parents or some teacher is like, be careful, you can get hurt. Be careful. Wait. Just wait till you get to college. Wait till senior year of high school. Wait till after college. You know, wait till you get your first job and get settled. If you do that, what could happen? No smooches! Like, ah! <laughs> like, if you wait, if you wait to fall in love, you might never what? You think I'm kidding? You think that, right? Wait, you get the homework from today. No, I'm just kidding, right? But, like, you guys, maybe you've done it and you've been dutiful and obedient and, and maybe ready, maybe cautious. That's good. You don't want to get hurt. Don't want to get hurt. Fine, spend your whole life trying not to get hurt. You're still probably going to get what? <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. That's horrible. <laughs> You're going to get hurt. So avoid pain. Good luck. Right? Like, on some level, if you're always waiting, always waiting to fall in love till tomorrow, it will never happen. Did we see it? What is love? It's love is not tomorrow. We want love when? Now. I want love now. Like present mirth has present laughter. I'll wait till have fun till after COVID. Then we'll have a good time. And then maybe I'll try to build a friendship. And you know, we'll wait until after, after, after. No, we want joy now. We want laughter now. We want hope now. We want love now. Right? right, right? Anybody could use some love today, not tomorrow, right? Like, now, thank you, Shakespeare. You know what? Because what's to come is still unsure. You don't know what college is going to hold. You don't know what's going to happen after college. So go ahead and wait. Like, parents like, fine. Go ahead and keep waiting. Maybe that's smart. Maybe it shouldn't be high school. And honestly, maybe not. <laughs> like, okay. Just be careful. The lesson is like, you don't have to go fall in love today, but you catch the lesson. Don't miss it. It's if you're always waiting, you'll always be waiting. Well, we don't want that, right? At some point, you got to say yes, right? Or not. Yes, you don't have to. In delay, there lies no plenty. There's no harvest. If you always wait to plant the seeds, then you'll never reap a harvest, right? Yeah. That's fine. Okay, so at least you got that, right? At least you got that. And that's important. Is there something different, though, between friends who kiss and friends who don't? Yes or no? Yeah, I mean, right? Then come kiss me, sweet and 20, right? Like, <laughs> 20 smooches. Of course you gotta have friendship. Of course you gotta love your family. Of course you gotta love your mom, right? Like, of course, of course, of course. But this poem, this play is about something different, and is there a difference? Yeah, there really is. Like, that's half the point here, is we can have great friendships, and then you've got a great friend who you get to smooch. Where let's go, <laughs> right? Like, what, I can't talk about kissing in high school? <laughs> right? This is a real thing, and it's not just a kiss, it's 20 smooches. That's what we really want, 20 smooches? Who wants 20, no, who wants 20 smooches? <laughs> All right, use the stuff, let's go. Like, we have to, I can't raise my hand and say I want to kiss somebody. Like, okay, fine, whatever, I'll raise my hand. Smooches are awesome, right? Like, I can't say right, because then if I agree with them, then people will know that I smooched someone and I, whatever. You can overanalyze it if you want to. That's fine. But you guys, 
you're not going to be seniors in high school next year. You're not going to be 18 when you're 19. And when you're 25, you're not 16. Like, you're not getting any younger. And I look out here and I see the life and vigor and, and hope and anticipation and, and in your eyes, which is all I can see, right? Right? There's like, I'm young. I'm not an old crotchety teacher like Mr. D, right? I'm 18. I just said crotchety. That's just a weird word. I'm so sorry. That's horrible. But like, I'm not, I'm not 60. Okay, fine. You're not 60. And 60 can be great. 47 can be great, right? 32 can be great. But you know what? There's nothing like 18. Yeah, there's nothing like it. Seniors in high school heading off to college, there's nothing like college. It's fantastic. And you know what? I love the age that I'm at. It's fantastic. But it's not that. Fair enough? And so Shakespeare is saying, hey, youth, there's nothing like youth. It's different with the energy and the life and the hope and the dreams and all this potential. And you're all like lovely and fresh and strong and healthy, like, yes, go! <laughs> right? Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, right? Some of those lines from literature class. And so, you know what? This is going to be a thing where I'm not going to be like, yeah, but. I'm not going to do the yeah, but. This is going to be a teacher who is looking at these Shakespeare lines saying, don't miss out on love. There's nothing like it. And yet, since it's some of the best connection you can have with a human being, it has some of the worst pain involved. Yep. If you want to live your life in pain avoidance, then stay away from love. <laughs> okay? And that's fine. You can try to avoid pain your whole life. You won't be able to. And I get it. Are the parents and the pastors and the youth pastors and the teachers onto something when we say you have to be careful? Is that important? Well, who's he singing to? Who's Festy singing to? Come on, get some context. The drunken fools, right? Like, right? Yeah, don't marry a drunken fool. Don't date one, right? Like, I get that. But remember, there needs, I think there needs to be another voice that says, you're only young once. Don't wait till tomorrow. If you keep waiting till tomorrow, you'll never have it. Smooches are different than best friends, right? You don't smooch, right? Like, it's just different. There's something different about it. They're both fantastic. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. They're both great. It's a spectrum of love. Be careful who you're smooching, right? Like, I'm not, of course, like, duh, right? But I think there's got to be a voice that says, go for it. Don't miss out. And that's, see, act, act two, yeah? Of course, the rest of the play, who are you going for? Who are you smooching? Well, yes, duh, right? But is there anybody saying, hey, love is amazing. It's so powerful. Our God is named love. Read Song of Solomon. It's in the Bible for crying out loud, right? Like, right? There's something about that type of love that has energy and power and potential and and brings so much life. Yes, so much pain, but also so much life. Go team, we good? Questions or thoughts on that? Comments, I appreciated your comments.
I love how every class is different. Second period was like, red, red, red. <laughs> whatever, that's fine, we don't need to. But one of the, I wanted to bring up one of the things that they brought up that I thought was intriguing. They're like, yeah, but <laughs> we kept playing the song. But what, but what is love, right? And I appreciate you, Claudia. You kind of went right to the heart of it. Are there different types of love? Like, yes, but so what is it? And this one girl raised her hand and it was really well said. She's like, yeah, but sometimes people think that an abusive relationship is loving or they stay in an abusive relationship because they love the person. And could that actually be real love? Yeah, because you see the gold in them, but you're getting hurt by their shadow self, their, their broken self. Yeah, that's, uh, this is complex, right? Really complex. We do need to be careful. Abuse is not love. And we finally landed on a philosophy question. Miss Trot nailed it, right? She nailed it. She's like, well, love can mean something different to everybody, can it? And ready? What's the answer? Well, yeah, it's going to look different. It can mean different things. It can be defined differently. Exactly. So don't think that your relationship has to be like your parents or like the friend or like this. You get to be in a loving relationship with someone else, how you get to like understand that and experience it. Different. However, and this, this is what we brought up, and she was like, yeah, but if, if it's all relative, does that work? No, because if it's all relative and it's all internal perspective, then abuse can be interpreted as love. And is that love? No, so we also need what? We need an objective standard for love. At least I think we do. If you're in philosophy class, you'll see what materialism and monism does with that. You chop out the objective standard and anything goes. I'm not sure that's a really safe, healthy approach. <laughs> I know that it's not, actually. I've seen it unfold. I teach it in my philosophy class. But there's some bridges here. What? The question is, what is love? Is that right? And so when you have 1 Corinthians 13 defining it for you, now you've got an objective standard. Fruit of the Spirit. When you have a God who is love, then do I just get to decide what love is? Well, kind of yes and no. We don't want to go either or. If it's just objective, then you don't get to experience it in your own unique way. But if it's just subjective, then we don't have any standards for it. And then anything can be loved when it's really not. Are we seeing that? We don't have to go there. I thought those two points that were worth bringing up right now in the context of this poem. Other thoughts or comments? Keep going. Are we, are we tracking? So I'd be remiss if I didn't say that your homework now is to what? <laughs> 20 smooch? No, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm going to get fired. <laughs> All right. uh, no, but like there is a sense of your homework is to at least process that. Where am I? Am I always, am I always saying no, 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 no? And why? Why, I think, is a really important thing there. And when am I going to say yes? Or maybe I'm just not going to, because I'd rather just stay away from the smooches and just go with the friendship stuff. Fair enough, you know, like, that's okay. Jesus didn't need the smooches, and he was a full human being who experienced the fullness of reality just fine without smooches, right? <laughs> we track in there? So I think there's... It's nice to have that biblical worldview in the backdrop of all this. One more, we got to read it one more time at least. One more read through. 
And this is the connection I want to make. I always, and maybe this year will be another one, I almost always, well, I should say always, every year, I get an email or a phone call about this lesson. <laughs> Maybe you can see why. <laughs> what did you say in that class? You told my kid to go fall in love. I've been telling them not to for 20 years. I'm like, that's why I told them not to. Right? Like, I, I think it's intriguing to get some pushback on this lesson, but every time I have taught this lesson, every single time, 20 years, twice a year, both semesters, <laughs> I always do the third read-through. I have to remind the parents that that child probably only gave you half of my lesson. But that's not, the lesson's not done. There's another read-through. This is Shakespeare. There's another layer to this, right? We already had a transition with what I just said. What if you were to read this from the fool in the play, in a play about love, with Shakespeare who understands a cosmology of God who is love, right? What if you read this poem as though it were from God? What happens? What if this is God saying it to you? What if even more so this is God saying it to the drunken fools in Twelfth Night, right? Oh, mistress mine, where are you roaming? Stay in here, your true love's coming. And sing both high and low. Right there, if you caught it. You can see it. What if God is saying to you and me, why are you, why, why Mr. D, like, I would, in high school, I would love the high school of Matthew Dominguez to hear this. Why are you running around looking for love in all these other human beings? What are you doing? Your true love is where? Right here. Oh, stay. We already had it in chapel. Be still, right? And hear. Who's heard this in the Gospels? He who has ears, let him hear. Be still and listen. Your true love is right here. I mean, how many of us have done this yet? And no guilt or shame. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. <laughs> right? like the first and greatest commandment. Yeah, how are we doing loving God first? And by the way, he calls you his beloved. You're my beloved. I love, for God so loved the world. I mean, why do you think Mary Magdalene was hugging Jesus after the resurrection? There's love. She knows she's loved. John says, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Loved. Jesus loved all of the disciples. John is the one who just got it. Right? And by the way, he loves who? You. Like, loves you and me. Trip no <coughs> further. Stop tripping around. Pretty sweeting. Have you let God call you by a nickname yet? He's got one for you. The Bible says it in two places. One of them says he has a name, a special name for you on a white stone. It's your nickname. Pretty sweeting. Have you let God call you sweetheart? And for the guys in the room, like, I don't want him sweet. Come on, like, this is a God who adores you and has got a cool nickname for you and really loves you and is proud of you and cares about you and died for you while you were yet a sinner. Like, right, right? Like, I mean, are we piecing this together here? 
But I just think some of you, this, is, this poem is so far off your grid that you haven't even allowed yourself to see God like this. Sweetheart, my beloved. Journeys end in lovers' meeting, every wise man's son doth know, right? Like literally, when you die and go to heaven, it's a wedding, <laughs> right? You are the bridegroom and the bride and the bridegroom. Like, the journey, the journey on this planet ends with lover, lovers meeting, right? That's like the point of the story. The ending of the story is we end at a big wedding with God in the sky. And he's marrying who? Us. Of course, you don't have to be taking notes, but, but I mean, I, I hope you're catching some of this, right? And by the way, I know I'm a lit teacher. I know I'm a crazy lit teacher. Is it there? Can you see it in the text? It's all there. That's what's crazy to me. What, what is love? Right there it is again. What is love? That might be what the whole story is about. God's love for humanity. Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve and God loving each other. The love has been broken and he pursues us relentlessly out of love. Tis not hereafter. What is love? Tis not hereafter. Present mirth has present laughter. What's to come is still unsure. Read the end of Ecclesiastes. Remember your creator in your youth. No offense at all. I, like, I keep trying to couch it with you. I'm not trying to offend you. I don't want to do guilt or shame. But just to be really blunt, some of you are like, yeah, I'll get to God later. I'll figure out my relationship with God when I get to college. It's, it's, I'm too busy right now. Okay, keep putting it off. <laughs> get to God later. Now get to God today. <laughs> Stop putting that off. Actually, let's be really blunt. I wonder if that is the plot and it is the main lesson. All y'alls out there running around looking for love in another human being. And to be really frank, can that human being, husband or wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, really feel your divine need for divine love? <laughs> no. So if you're not getting your God love bucket full, you're going to expect some human to do that? By the way, look around at all the marriages who try to do that. Does it work? No. The best marriages that I've encountered and seen are the ones where the husband and the wife are filled with God's love. They know their identity. They know their beloved. So they don't need their husband or wife. <laughs> they don't need them. They get to what? Love them. <laughs> right? I'm filled up with God's love so it spills onto my wife. That, that's what really is healthy. Not this, I need you to fill me up because I'm not full, and if you can't do it, then screw you, when really, can they do it? No, none of us can replace God. What is love? Tis not hereafter. Present mirth, have present laughter. What's to come is still unsure. Figure that out now. I, I hope someone's listening. Figure that out now before you get into a marriage. I, it's just so interesting how many books on marriages that I've read and on psychology. And I've been through like eight years of therapy for lots of different things. But when you read these books, almost all of them, 
the biggest psychologists of our, the past 30 or 40 years, almost all of them will say that two human beings who start a marriage, they come in wounded and broken, and they expect the other person to heal their wounds and fill their brokenness. And on one level, well, yeah, that's cool. But if there's not God in there doing the healing and bringing the, the, the filling the brokenness, and you expect your husband or wife to do that, can they actually do it? They actually can't. No wonder it's a train wreck and it's so frustrating and painful. Now, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God and I'm filled with God's love, and my wife is filled with the Holy Spirit of God and filled with God's love, and we're both looking to God to heal us so that we can support and love each other on our journey, do you see the difference? Like, it's astronomical. It, it's completely categorically different, right? In delay, there lies no plenty. Then come kiss me, sweet in 20. Youth's stuff will not endure. <gasps> Thank you, Shakespeare, for doing this. I hardly see it anywhere else. But when was the last time you smooched God? And you're like, Dominguez, what the heck? No. You guys, it's how the whole book starts. How does Adam, not metaphorically, literally come alive? Anybody? What does it say in the Bible? How does Adam come to life? God does what? He gets close enough. He has to take off his mask, right? He gets close enough to breathe life into his body. How close? If you don't like the word smooth or you don't like the kiss, then go for what it at least represents. If you're going to kiss somebody, you have to be how close? <laughs> this close. <laughs> when was the last time you were this close to God? Sharing breath, eye to eye. The disciples got to do that. Mary Magdalene gave him such a big bear hug that the Bible says, you're like, okay, Mary, like, <laughs> like, don't cling to me. She's like, nah. We're like, that's close. I love her. I love her character. Oh my gosh. So great. Moses, if the Bible's accurate, says that God and Moses hung out in the tent face to face. You do not have to have that. Trust in, you know, believe in God and you're saved. I'll see you later in heaven. That's fine. Just what's the invitation? Does that make sense? And I just wonder if you and I can get that intimate with God, see how that will affect our boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, friendship, relationship. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, I'm just going to say it. When was the last time you smooched God? When was the last time you shared pneuma, is what it's called, the breath of life with God? If you haven't, and you have no clue what I'm talking about, great, that's why we're doing this lesson. <laughs> if you have, you know what I'm talking about, and you know that that's where there's peace and hope and life and shalom and healing, is in the intimacy with God. And if all you're doing for your devotions is reading some book and finding you know, underlining verses, okay, but at least put the book down, and put your head up, and spend some time with the author. Even better yet, figure that out until you get to where you're intimate with the author. Love, feeling the love, sharing the love, being loved. 
I'm so glad we did another read-through. Because what's the whole lesson here? Yeah, if you're going to go get a boyfriend or girlfriend, or go get married, if, you don't have to, but if you're going to, at least fall in love with who first? Thank you. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's rhetorical, but thank you, right? Like, we're going to do this in-person thing. Let's at least do it. At least get intimate with God first. At least connect with God first. And it's all over the Bible. It's the whole invitation. Ready? We're getting the plot in Act 2. What might the fool in the play be offering all these crazy characters in Twelfth Night? I mean, watch what's going to happen over the next three acts. They're all going to like, oh, love and fall in love with each other. Does anybody stop to fall in love with God? <laughs> Is anybody doing that? Look for it. Yeah? Thank you, Festy. Now, do you have to read Shakespeare like that? No. Do you have to look at your movies or literature like that? No. Can you if it's there? I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> to me, there's an incredible richness and depth in just this little poem in this play. The truth and the application is so practical for us on our journeys here through Wheat Academy. I, I actually, I've taught this lesson for 20 years. And I wonder, I wonder how many students would even just take this one lesson. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. is <laughs> the greatest commandment. <laughs> Let's do that first. Let's figure that out. And then jump into the smooching of humans. <laughs> Let's smooch God first. And then smooch a human, if you even want to. You can almost see why like, the nuns are like, I'm going to be married to God forever. I might as well just start now. <laughs> Whatever. I don't, need a, I don't need some man. right? I've got God. Like, go nuns, right? <laughs> like, they're fine. <laughs> Interesting, right? And then Paul writes all about the marriage stuff and how some of us are not going to be nuns and monks. We really were designed for this. Well, then let's do it right. Let's figure it out. Let's start off on the right foot. And if you're not starting off on the right foot, can you change course? Can you adjust? You can always invite God in. He's happy to come in. He stands at the door and he's knocking. It's not a lot of talking. Feedback? Is it, does it make sense? We see it. Cool. Probably want to watch the movie, I guess, right? I want you to watch the movie. Let's do the movie. Let's do one thing real quick. There's, when I was in England studying Shakespeare, uh, my, my professor said, go to this one store. If you like Shakespeare, there's this thing called Sound Alive. And some really, really rich dude or really, really rich family or rich woman, I forget who it was, had tons of money. They loved Shakespeare. They loved Renaissance. And they loved music. And so they spent their money to pay people to build instruments from the time period, handmade instruments from the time period, and then they paid people to do research like you could on this in here. You'll see the Oxford Research has it, um, the songs from Elizabethan England. So 224, uh, Oh Mistress Mine, you actually have what they would have seen 400 years ago for their song. And then they paid people to learn how to play the instruments. And then they did their research to figure out what it would have potentially sounded like. I don't know. I think it would have had a little more umph to it knowing Elizabethan England from what I know about it, but this is at least a shot. Can we take a minute and listen to this one?
This is uh, from Sound Alive, someone's interpretation of what we maybe would have heard on stage for Shakespeare. Don't get on the tables to dance. They're, they'll break. <laughs> Maybe the death. You can kind of hear the guitar, whatever it's called. Here it is. Ready? Come on, here it is. <laughs> you people laugh. years later. Maybe? I just want to play the whole song. Don't worry. We'll play it as we walk out the door today. All right. Uh, movie. Let's watch the movie. Onward. Now we get Festy's version of it. I actually really like it. I think they did a great job capturing some of the depth of it. I think it does the layers if you want to see them. He sings them well. Um, if you would like to do this, go to page 134 and 135 in our text. It's act two, scene four. Okay, act two, scene four, lines five through 30. They overlay the scenes. So they have the drunken party in one house, and then in Orsino's house, they have Orsino and Cesario Viola having a conversation. Did anybody catch what the conversation is? What's Orsino asking his new buddy, Cesario? Hey. You fell in love with some girl, didn't you, right? And what does Cesario say? Well, and then he's like, so what's she look like? And what does she say? A little like you. He's like, ah, what? <laughs> How old is she? Kind of your age. Are you tracking? And so she totally gives it away. She's like, I'm in love with you, but I can't tell you, right? And so, but he knows, like, you're in love. And then they have this really kind of, Beautifully awkward conversation. They overlap that here. Kind of cool. We can do that with movies. Are you set, go? <laughs> here comes the sixpence for you. Let's have a song. That's old an antique song we heard last night. We thought it would relieve my passion much. He's not here, so please, your lordship, who should sing it? Who was it? Uh, Festy, my lord, a fool that the Lady Olivia's father took much delight in. Will you have a love song or a song of good life? A love song. A love song. Ah, I care not for good life. Oh, mistress. 
mistress mine, where are you roaming? Oh, stay and hear your true love's coming. That Everybody's in love, right? How does that like this tune? It's very echo to the seat while love is thrilled. I'll speak most of it. Cesario. I wonder, like, I'm not sure I agree with that statement, Mr. Orsino, sir. Even when they to perfection grow. But that's definitely Orsino, right? Is still unsure. What to come is still unsure. In delay there lies no plenty. And come kiss me sweet and twenty. What is smooching? <laughs> you would say stuff will not I like endure. Right, the repetition here. You would say stuff will not endure. You would say stuff will not endure. What's he thinking? Stuff 
December, 12th night, 12 days of Christmas, 12th night, page 128, act 2, scene 3, line 80 and following. Uh, how we done? I must be round with you. My mistress bade me tell you that though she harbors you as her kinsman, she is nothing allied to your disorders if you can separate yourself and your misdemeanors. You are welcome to the house. Right. If not, she is very willing to bid you farewell. You're out. Farewell, dear heart. How'd that go over? Since I must <laughs> be gone. You can sit. His eyes do show his days are almost done. Just a servant. Just because you're some self-righteous Christian Puritan dude, we can't have any fun. Are we catching attention in the room? Right. 
Drunken fools do to love, right? What happens to love when that is going on? Miss Bickhart, you're sitting right here. Can we use you as an example? Is that okay? I want to set this up, and now uh, I—I mean, there's nothing going on in regards to the example, and I'll be really blunt. I've been here enough this year. I've taught here for 20 years, and I went here. Please trust me right now. I'm not looking at anybody in the room right now. I just want to use the example. Because we've got to get it off the screen into Wheaton Academy's life. Otherwise, oh yeah, drunken parties over there. All right, so, Ms. Pickhart. What if uh, after COVID, we get to take masks down, and maybe it's May, and we're like, yay, freedom, we're going to finish up the year. So you want to have a big party at your house. It's nice and close to Wheaton Academy. Big party, right? Party at the Pickharts, everybody? We good? Yes? So you invite the class, this class, everybody in the room is there, and like all the seniors, why not, right? They're all there, some juniors maybe? No? Yeah? So we're all piled up over there, and mom and dad are like, you know what, Kelly? Um, you're gonna be in college soon. You gotta learn to navigate these things, we're out. See ya, you got the house and all your friends. How we doing? Good chance to practice, right? Party, I'm responsible, we can do this. Everybody's there, we're having a good time. Now. I don't know who it is, but a van shows up. From this school or a different school? We'll go a different school. We'll give you a A different school, and it's a van, and these other teenagers pull out these massive kegs, and it's not root beer. 
It's real alcohol, right? And they come in the front door and they slam it down, right? And they, they're all out of red solo cups, so they're yellow. So yellow solo cups. And they're just like, they're not asking, they're just doing what? They're just putting beer in people's hands. And you're like, oh, okay. And some people are like, yeah, right? And then someone pulls out a bag and it's not oregano. It's not Italian seasoning to put on. It's like, it's not to put on the hamburgers on the grill here. We're not like spicing it up here. It's marijuana, right? And they're rolling joints in your house. What are you gonna do? Like, I put you up for this, but like, let's say that really is happening at the house in May, and all you are there. What do you do? Your parents want this. So what are you gonna do? I, let them keep going and alcohol and drugs at your house during a party? Is that, is that cool? So what might you say? I'm putting you on the spot, but you try to talk to these people. What could you say? Um, By the way, is anybody with her? Anybody going to help her out here? What do we say? Yeah, like you guys got to get out of here. What? what? Oh, you guys go to this Christian school. We can't have any fun. Like you guys see it. Now do we see it? Of course you got to kick them out. You got to shut this down. Here's the interesting difference. This is what I want to make sure you catch. Either way, how might they respond? Kelly is not Malvolio, right? I mean, we even get the description of Malvolio. What type of Christian is Malvolio? The devil of a Puritan, a self-affectioned ass, right? You know, he's all like, I'm better than everybody else, and I know it. He's coming in and saying, you guys have to stop this craziness, because I'm awesome, and you're not, and you're bad. You're not doing that, but what might still the response be? Isn't, but isn't that intriguing? Like, what do we do with this stuff? Either way, right? It's really tricky. Let's, let's give it up for Big Heart. Now, I got five minutes, and I want this to be a bell ringer, because we'll come back and talk about it tomorrow. What I want to do is what I, I kind of just modeled it for you. We pull it off the screen into our lives. But even better yet, where are you in this at that? You were all there. Which character were you? I'll give you this. The one character that's not in there, there's a couple, but the one that's not in Twelfth Night is a Kelly. A loving, kind, gracious person who still needs to shut that down. Is that in this scene? No. Which I wonder if that's what Shakespeare's saying. <laughs> we don't even have that. Or maybe he's saying it's not in this scene because does that even work? Yeah, read Proverbs. But where are you in this scene? I, are we in the academy? I know it's there. Are you the Toby who's bringing the booze, who's bringing the drugs to the party, setting up those parties? Because they're here. They're at this school. Well, what are you doing? Are you the Andrew? Okay. Or maybe you're funding it. You're just following along like a puppy. Or maybe you're a Maria, right? I, I know I shouldn't be doing it. I know it's bad, but I kind of like them, and I like Toby, and I like doing it, and so I have to pick because it's, it's wrong, but I'm still going to support it. Or maybe you're a who. What's Festy doing? Oh, well, what's he doing? Woo-hoo, party up. Shoot, we're getting caught. And then you just do what? Run out their back door into the woods. Right? That's at Wheaton Academy. I know it. I can't get caught. Ah! Right? And are there even other characters? Where are the other characters? 
I wonder how many of us at Wheaton Academy are the Olivia's. It's your house. It's her house. It's your school. You're trying to get some sleep, but the drunken, high, right, fools are ruining things. They're making it really hard or hurting other people. But are you going to get involved? Even though it's in your own house, is she shutting it down? Is she kicking him out? Is she dealing with it? No. Maybe you're an Orsino. <laughs> He's the freaking Duke. <laughs> is he doing anything about this? Is he aware that the woman that he loves has a drunken pervert throwing these kind of parties in her house? Is he doing anything as a duke? See, I think that's where Shakespeare doesn't let any of us really off the hook, does he? Or am I just crazy? This never happens. Actually, I can't even do the rhetoric there. Like, I know. <laughs> I went here. I've taught here for 20 years. Does this stuff happen around here? If, if not, then yeah, maybe you're not aware that there's this kind of stuff happening. Or maybe we're having this conversation right now because are you going to bump into this in college? Well, I'm going to a Christian college. Are you going to bump into this in college? At <laughs> Wheaton or Taylor or Gordon. Are there drunken fools handing out the stuff at these parties right there in the community? What, what do we do? How do we navigate that? This lesson is not about solving that. Does that make sense? We can have a conversation tomorrow if you'd like to as you go home and process this. This lesson is not about necessarily solving that. We're only in act two. So what's the, so you got plot and subplot. What's the subplot? Anybody catching it? What happens when you have drunken fools or a self-righteous, arrogant, jerk Christian in a play about love? What happens? Yeah? How do we navigate that? What do we do about it? Because that's what's going on in the backdrop of this love quadrangle. Have a nice day. <laughs> See you guys. Thanks for listening today. You're awesome. Oh, wait, here we go. This is going out to all y'alls. Bye, Caroline. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Peace out. Oh, by the way, your homework, right? Is your homework? Go fall in love with God. Go smooch God. And then maybe somebody else. Uh, <laughs> I can't give that homework. Uh, <laughs> Watch out for drunken parties. Thanks for letting me use yours. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah,